You're listening to Keeping Connected with the Quran, a series that reminds us of the many beautiful ways the Quran can be a guide, a teacher, and a healer in our lives. Join a rotating cast of insightful hosts and guests featured throughout the week and make the Quran a companion in your day, every day. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yasirli amri wa hlul uqdata min lisani yafqahu qawli. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you all for joining us for another episode in our series on Quranic themes. Alhamdulillah, from the beginning of this series, we have been covering a series of surahs in the Quran called Al-Hawamim or Al-Hamim, which are the seven surahs in the Quran which begin with Hamim. And we spoke in the first episode on the series about some of the themes that run through each of these surahs. We talked about how each of the surahs are, uh, you know, were revealed in Mecca, how all of them deal with the topic of da'wah, particularly giving da'wah in times of difficulty and hardship, how all of them talk about the story of Musa salam in some form or another. And these are really powerful, um, you know, surahs, particularly for people who are who feel marginalized or oppressed because they talk about how do you give da'wah during these really difficult marginalized times. Um, and, and these have been some of the themes and the threads that we've been following. And what we've been doing, alhamdulillah, is following each surah one by one. So today, inshallah, we're going to be taking two surahs out of the seven and talking about the themes within the surah and also about how those themes within the surah relate to the themes that run through all seven of Al-Hawamim, all seven surahs of Al-Hawamim. And in taking this lens, you know, taking this look of themes throughout the Qur'an, you know, it allows us to appreciate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to us at a far greater level. You know, even the word surah, you know, comes from the word sur, and sur is a wall, or it would mean at the time of the Prophet they would refer to the sur as the city walls. So each surah has its own walls, right? Its own demarcation. Right, and within the surah, like each city is different. It looks different. It feels different. You know, the food is different. The air is different. The atmosphere is different. Each surah is different, and each categorization of surah are different, right? And so the long surahs are different than the short surahs, and these surahs al-Hawamim, all of them are different, and there are themes throughout it that we can take tremendous lesson from all of them. So inshallah, today we're going to be discussing two surahs: Surah Fusilat and Surah Az-Zukhruf. And inshallah, Sheikh Arij, uh, who was you know, been with us throughout all of these um, episodes, inshallah. He's going to uh, begin and start with uh, with Surah Fasilat, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Salatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa ala amma ba'd. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Hamim. Tanzilun min ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Kitabun fussilat ayatuhu Qur'anan arabiyyan liqawmin ya'lamun Bashiran wa nadhira Fa'a'rada aktharuhum fahum la yasma'oon Hamim This is a revelation from the entirely merciful, the especially merciful A book whose verses have been detailed in Arabic Qur'an For a people who know Bashiran wa nadhira as a giver of good news and a warner but most of them turn away, so they do not hear. This is the introductory passage of uh, Hamim, uh, uh, excuse me, from Surah Fustilat, Surah number 41. It's a very beautiful passage. Uh, it describes to us uh, that Allah uh, explains and that number one, this Surah is Tanzilum min ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, a revelation from Allah who is the most merciful, especially merciful. Uh, this uh, shows to us as we discuss the theme of da'wah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and particularly da'wah to the people of Makkah uh, that the way to begin da'wah is rem reminding people of the incredible uh, mercy of Allah, the incredible love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, that is the uh, first thing that's mentioned here, Tanzilum min ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Also what Allah mentions about the Qur'an here is something interesting that is unique from the other Hawamim, where he calls it Kitabun Fussilat Ayatuhu, the a book whose ayat have been uh, detailed. Uh, you know, it's been uh, they're explained and they provide some detail. Ibn uh, Kathir says, Bayanat Ma'aniha, or Buyidat Ma'aniha, Uhkimat Ahkamuha. 
its meanings are clarified and its rulings are uh, are also expanded upon. Quran uh, and Arabiya. It is a Quran. Uh, a uh, the word Quran, by the way, it means a recital. So it's recited in Arabic. Um, this is how Allah introduces the Quran to the audience who uh, isn't so interested in listening to what Allah has to say. That this is from the one who has uh, the most, the kind of mercy that is unimaginable, the kind of love that is inconceivable. Min al-Rahman al-Rahim, and then this al-Rahman uh, al-Rahim has sent this book to uh, the people who want to know. Liqaumi yaalamun, and. It is a recital in Arabic whose verses are clarified and the details in it are uh, are a lot. This is the introduction that Allah gives uh, to Surah, Surah Fussilat. The Surah Fussilat's introductory passage after this one uh, speaks about something very interesting. It speaks about a path, an incident that took place in the life of the Prophet Wasallam, in which he والسلام, was uh, speaking to Utbat al-Rabi'ah the one of the leaders of uh, of Mecca. It is described in the books of history and also in the books of Tafsir. Uh, this incident is described in various narrations. I'm going to share with you the narration uh, or one of the narrations that's in Tafsir ibn Kathir. Uh, this is uh, what we find in Tafsir ibn Kathir uh, that uh, Utbat ibn Rabi'a uh, uh, he was sitting with the people of Quraysh and he says, Ya Ma'ashar al Quraysh, O people of Quraysh, should I not stand up and go meet Muhammad and I could speak to him and maybe try to convince him that you know he should stop doing what he's doing. Uh, I'll give him or will give him what he wants, will you know present some offers to him, and whatever he accepts from that will give it to him, and that way he will stop. Uh, bothering us, uh, and Ibn Kathir mentions that this is Hamza. That is when Hamza who had accepted Islam. So the people of Mecca were now feeling the pressure uh, of, um, or uh, they were seeing the threat of the Prophet ﷺ's da'wah as now gaining steam and momentum. Where someone as influential as Hamza had just accepted Islam, and someone. Uh, like uh, you know, it, it was no no longer just like the weak and the downtrodden that were believing, uh, that were becoming believers. The powerful, the influential, the mighty were also now joining the fold of the religion. So now they wanted to negotiate with the Prophet uh, They uh, the people of Quraysh, the leaders of Quraysh, said, said to uh, Utbah, "Go ahead and do so." Utbah goes to the Prophet He says, "Yabna akhi, inna kaminna haythu qad alimt." Uh, he said that, oh, uh, oh, my cousin, uh, you know, we've known each other for a while. Because Utbah was like a distant relative of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, And then he said, look, you've brought something. Uh, you brought something that's massive. That's a big deal. Uh, you've uh, just divided our, our, our community. Uh, and you have... Uh, you have uh, caused, you've, you've said that our idols are um, are vain and they're uh, misguided. Uh, and you've uh, said that our ancestors were misguided as well. Uh, so here is the situation. Uh, I'm going to present something to you. I want you to listen to me. The Prophet said, uh, He says, uh, say what you have to say, Abu Walid. I will be listening to you. He says, look. My cousin, if you um uh, He says, Look, if you want money, we're gonna make sure that you become the wealthiest Makkan. We'll all gather our wealth and we'll give you enough until you are the richest man in Makkah. If you are looking for power and authority if you want to be the leader of Mecca, you know what? La amran dunaka. We're gonna be we're gonna give you the power that whatever we do, whatever we decide, you have the final say in the matter. Okay, we'll put you in that position. If you want uh to be the leader, the king of this city, Malaknaka Alaina, 
we will make you the king. If you want uh, women, we will present whatever women you want from Makkah and we will make sure that you can marry as many and whoever you want. Uh, so Utbah is presenting these things. He's trying to, maybe he's thinking what might be the motivation of the Prophet to do what he's doing. Could be money, could be power, could be authority, could be the desire for women. So he's like, look, whatever you want, we'll give it to you. All right, just stop this business. Now, the Prophet listened to uh, Utbah for a while and then he says, Afaragta ya Abul Walid. He said, Are you done? Utbah, are you done? Abul Walid, that was his uh, nickname. Uh, he said, Yes, I'm done. Fastami' minni, the Prophet said, Listen to what I have to say. And then the Prophet recited from Hamim, Tanzilum min al Rahman al Rahim, Surah Fussilat. He recited until he reached the ayah. فَإِنْ أَعْرَضُوا فَقُلْ أَنذَرْتُكُمْ صَاعِقَةً مِثْلَ صَاعِقَةِ عَادِيُمْ وَثَمُودِ Ayah number 13. And at that point, at that point, Utbah uh, placed his hand on the Prophet's mouth. And he said, I ask you by the family ties that's common between us, I ask you to stop. And he left, he got up and left. And when he came back, the people of Quraysh who were waiting his return said, uh, This is what actually uh, uh, Abu Jahl said in one narration. Abu Walid is no longer the same man. His face has completely changed. And Utbah comes back and he says to his people, He says, Ya Ma'ashar al Quraysh, or Ya Ma'ashar al Quraysh, Ati'uni wa li. Uh, he says, O oh people, listen to what I have to say. He says, uh, He says, He says, What he said, what, what Muhammad is saying is not poetry. It is not magic. It is not soothsaying. It is, you know, something completely different. O oh people, listen to what I have to say. Leave the man alone. Leave him alone. Utbah, who wanted to intervene, completely changed course. He says, the best thing we can do, O people of Quraysh, is just leave him alone. Don't interfere with him. Utbah recognized that this was the speech of Allah. Utbah, at that point, recognized that this was not a person's speech. The effect the Quran had on Utbah was that he knew after hearing it, this is not the poetry that we know. This is not the uh, the rhyming that we're the masters of. This is something completely different. And this man is not making this up. So leave him alone, O people of Quraysh. Don't get in his way. This was the background of, or the backdrop of these uh, beautiful narrations, or, or excuse me, this beautiful revelation, the, the narrations in the backdrop of this beautiful revelation uh, that, you know, we find in this the reaction to the people uh, of the people when they hear the Quran. The reaction that they have is they are amazed and astonished by the uh, Quran. And those who knew the Arabic best recognize that this is not any human's speech. This is completely transcendent. The uh, da'wah uh, to uh, the people of Makkah, how Allah proceeds with it, is uh, first he says, you know, the people of Makkah are saying that uh, we are not interested. Ayah number five. We're not interested in what you have to say. Our hearts are within coverings, meaning we don't, like, we won't change our minds. Okay? And there is, uh, in our ears, there's a deafness. We won't even listen to what you have to say. And there is a partition between us. Like, this is the most. Uh, uh, the most uh, stern type of uh, refusal and rejection that you can imagine. Uh, the response is, قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ I am just a human being like you, and I am sharing with you the message that I have received in Revelation, that your Lord is one. Worship Him alone. فَاسْتَقِيمُوا إِلَيْهِ He's the one you should rely upon. He's the one you should be uh, seeking. And He's the one whose forgiveness you should uh, seek. That is uh, my message. Uh, this is, tells us that when we are giving da'wah, it doesn't matter how 
obstinate a person might be, the lesson for us is to share the message with them without worrying about uh, without worrying about how like whether that changes their mind or not. Because changing the mind is not the responsibility of the one who's giving da'wah. Their responsibility is to convey the message and conveying the message in the way that it's brought back to the most fundamental tenant of our faith, which is Tawheed, which is the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran, as you will notice, if you read this uh, passage and other passages, constantly brings the matter back to who Allah is, back to the reasons why only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be worshipped and nobody else. And that is the, uh, you know, that's the f- most important strategy when we're giving da'wah, bringing it back to the oneness of Allah, the uniqueness of Allah, the dominance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Since the people in the audience are a people of Mecca, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about uh, the uh, historic uh, Arabs, the Arab ancestors, Ad and Thamud in this passage, surah number four, uh, ayah number 14 to ayah number 18, uh, speaking about uh, Ad and Thamud and uh, reminding that, look, this is what happened to these people. They were given... Uh, they were messengers were sent to them. And what happened is, for example, with Thamud, uh, they preferred blindness over guidance. We guided them, but they preferred blindness over guidance. Uh, that, that attitude, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is implying to Quraysh, drop that attitude. Don't be so stubborn. That was the attitude of the people of Thamud. We showed them the right way. But they chose to follow their desires over the guidance. And Allah uses expression of not being able to see as the one who's choosing their desires and rejecting the truth. Uh, and uh, Al-Huda is as if like you are able to see and you're able to uh, know where you're going. So it's a very powerful expression to describe the reality of guidance and misguidance. It's as if you can see versus you can't see. فَاسْتَحَبُّ الْعَمَى عَلَى الْهُدَى Allah SWT describes also in this passage with uh, Surah Fusilat, uh, describes uh, that uh, the consequences of rejection, consequences of rejection uh, historically, what happened to Ad and Thamud, okay, and then consequences of rejection of this da'wah in the future, in on the day of judgment. What would happen on the day of judgment? Uh, ayah number 20 explains that. Until when they reach it, i.e. the day of judgment, their hearing, their eyes, their skins will testify against, uh, against them of what they used to do. And these people whose body parts are testifying against them, they will turn to their body parts and say, Lima alayna? Why are you testifying against us? You're part of us. They would say, the body parts would reply, uh, We were made to speak by Allah who has made everything, who gave everything the ability to speak. He made you the first time and to him you will be returned. The consequences of rejection are shown. The regret on the day of judgment is presented. That right now you have a choice. You can make the choice. The da'wah is presented to you. The message is presented to you. You have the choice. And if you reject it, the the consequences of it will be uh, the, uh, uh, the the resentment you will feel, the uh, hasra you will feel on the day of judgment uh, when your own body parts will testify against you. Uh, and Allah says something very interesting in this passage. If they are patient in the fire of hell, then the fire of hell is their final abode. And if they were to look for, if they were to seek for help and ask for relief at that time in the in the fire of hell, there won't be any relief. Basically, the day, and, and the consequence of this choice, the consequences are so severe that when a person ends up in that situation of the fire of hell after having rejected the message, they have no good options. Your patient doesn't matter. That's your home. That won't earn you any graces to help you get out. You are not patient, impatient. You could be impatient. It doesn't change anything. And that these consequences are very severe. Allah presents them uh, 
very beautifully. Inviting the people who don't want to listen. Here is how Allah subhanahu he's showing us how it's done. Present the message, don't alter it. Be clear. It's about the oneness of Allah. Uh, number two, present the consequences of rejection. The consequences historically, the consequences in the future. Uh, and then also Allah contrasts that afterwards with the passage about those believers who accepted the message. What's going to happen to them? The Quran when it mentions the punishment of the fire of hell and the consequences of that also mentions the people of paradise and the uh, fruits of belief. Ayah number 30, indeed those who have said our Lord is Allah and then remained on the right course, remained steadfast. In the most difficult moments of their life, the moments that they're passing away, angels will come down upon them and the angels will tell them, don't worry, do not be afraid, do not grieve, be happy, receive the good tidings that uh, of the paradise that you have been promised. We are your allies. We are your friends in this life and in the next life. I.e. will take care of your family who you're leaving behind. The angels are reaffirming, reassuring the passing believer. Subhanallah. Uh, how amazing is that? The consequence of, uh, of accepting the truth and following it is that uh, Allah subhanahu will take care of you in this life, take care of you in the next life, and take care of your kids and the people you leave behind, your family. Uh, and to reassure you, he will be sending angels in that most difficult moment when a person is passing away. And the consequences of rejecting are uh, extremely uh, terrifying where uh, the person uh, has no option but to remain in that state of uh, punishment. We ask Allah's protection from that. Uh, then Allah subhanahu wa once uh, speaks about uh, a few interesting uh, aspects of the da'wah that we mentioned the very first session as the overall themes, uh, being gentle and ignoring insults uh, of the people. In ayah number 33, Allah mentions uh, that... Um, وَلَا تَسْتَوِي الْحَسَنَةُ وَلَا السَّيِّئَةُ Not equal are the good and the bad. Okay, this is ayah number 34 actually, excuse me. Uh, repel evil by that which is ahsan, uh, which is beautiful, which is the best. If you have someone who says something that's hurtful, does something that's hurtful, uh, repelling that is not to uh, reciprocate the harm. So that now we're on equal terms when it comes to harm. It is actually to repel with what, repel with what is better. Is seeking justice your right? Of course it is your right. Uh, but in matters where it's not a matter of justice, it's just a matter of uh, of uh, grievances. Respond with what is the best. In matters of da'wah, in conversations, when we are discussing and there's agreements and disagreements, uh, repel which what repel evil and evil statement, uh, evil uh, motivations with something that's better. Be a good faith negotiator, even if the people around you aren't doing so. Because possibly the one that you and the one uh, who is your adversary here, one day would turn out to be a devoted friend. Subhanallah. Because this is how hearts are won. And da'wah is about winning hearts. It's about winning hearts. Uh, the gentleness and the kindness of the Prophet won hearts. People who fought him tooth and nail accepted Islam. Khalid ibn Walid, Amr ibn Al-As, Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl, Sufyan, Abu Sufyan, excuse me. Uh, he, all these people accepted Islam after having fought the Prophet for many, many years. And that stems from the uh, repelling evil with which what is good uh, but this is a difficult thing this is granted to those who are patient those who are 
uh, true, uh, who demonstrate true character. A very beautiful advice. So the Hawamim, as you might notice, advise the Prophet first and the rest of us by extension to be gentle with those who reject the da'wah, to be kind to those who uh, whose hearts aren't opened up yet because the kindness and gentleness will open up their hearts to the message of Islam. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions two last points here. Once that, uh, one thing he says is that uh, the uh, all prophets faced uh, harsh words, hurtful words. All prophets uh, faced the, uh, the situation. Ayah number 43. Nothing is said to you, O Prophet except what was already said to the messengers before you. Meaning, if you, O Prophet of Allah, are hearing hurtful words before you, other prophets heard hurtful words as well. Uh, this is how the people are, unfortunately. Those of us trying to do the job of the Prophet and this is the job of everybody, by the way, convey the message from me, even if it is a very small piece of information, like an ayah. We have to be ready that not everybody would be accepting willingly what we have to say. Uh, so as things are said to us that are unpleasant, as we deal with unpleasant matters, understand that uh, the prophets of Allah have dealt with far more unpleasant matters. And their, uh, their kindness, their gentleness, their resolve in how to deal with this is the example for all of us as we deal with hurtful, uh, unpleasant matters. Uh, the last point I'd like to make about uh, Surah Fussilat is uh, it mentions the story of Musa as is the uh, constant theme in the Hawamim as we discussed. Musa was given the scripture. Ayah number 45 mentions that. And, um, and, um, and, and he was as he was given the scripture for there was a disagreement about what the scripture that Moses received was. This is unfortunately uh, the reality when it comes to the uh, people who uh, profess belief in a prophet. Oftentimes they will fall into disagreements. That is, as you've discussed last time, a lot of times it is petty in nature and uh, very, very detrimental. Very detrimental. And if you want to see examples of that, Muslim Twitter is like the best place to find <laughs> that kind of petty discourse. Right, Sheikh Ibrahim? <laughs> um, but then at the same time, the idea is uh, Musa al -Islam is an example for uh, the Prophet He's an example for all of us, how he gave da'wah, how he dealt with the difficulties afterwards, and how he remained patient. He is mentioned here as well. Uh, those are some of the thing, things we learn in the uh, surah, surah Fussilat, a very beautiful surah in which Allah uh, explains how da'wah is given to somebody who isn't a willing listener. Uh, it is given uh, mentioning the core of the message without watering it down, number one, being gentle and kind because that opens up hearts. That's what wins hearts. And uh, remembering that the prophets of Allah uh, you know, they went through this difficulty as well. Uh, and when they shared the message, they shared the message with the consequences uh, of rejecting it. This is what we learn. Some of the things from Surah Fussilat. Jazakumullah khairan. Sheikh Ibrahim, uh, any thoughts on this or uh, we'd like to move on to the next surah? Jazakumullah khairan. No, I think that that was really um, a great uh, explanation for the surah. And, you know, it's one of those things that kind of ties with... Um, with all of the hawamim is that concept of, uh, you know, fasfah and home to turn away from them, not to always engage in like that really petty discussion and discourse that happens and the mockery and insults. You don't have to respond to them every time. It doesn't benefit your da'wah to be constantly engaged in that. And that seems to be a theme throughout all of the hawamim, like you, um, you know, very beautifully pointed out. So inshallah, I'm going to start talking about Surah Zukhruf, uh, the next surah in um, the Hawamim, in the series that we're discussing. So the word Zukhruf, it means adornment, it means ornaments, it means, you know, things that are, um, you know, that decorate, uh, that, you know, bring splendor. And this surah really, the, the focal point of the surah altogether is this general concept, beware of the dunya, right? And 
you know, the reality is that people and societies, sometimes they base their values of others or concepts or whatever on materialism, right? And this becomes their downfall, is that your entire societal valuation of the world and of theology and of philosophy is materialism. What helps us increase our materialism is good and what does not is considered bad. And this is the cause or the reason of corruption and what caused many other ummas, many other nations to become lost. And for this reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout this surah, he talks about gold and silver and it comes up over and over again actually. Um, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُطَافُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِسْحَافٍ مِنْ ذَهَبٍ وَكْوَابٍ وَفِيهَا وَفِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي الْأَنفُسِ وَتَلَذُّ الْأَعْيُنُ وَأَنْتُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Jannah and he talks about in it there will be golden trays and cups that will be, that will be passed around and there you will have whatever your souls desire and the eyes delight in and you will be there forever and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way he is telling you that the real adornment, the real zukhruf, the real luxury, the real, you know, ornaments and whatnot is not this dunya, rather it's the next world. Because there are so many people who focus only on this world, they base their value so much on the, the dunya and the existence of the adornments and the gold and the silver of this world, the splendor of this dunya, and this is what causes them to be led astray. And so the surah shows us that, there, that the reason that a lot of people disbelieve is that their disbelief is over their over-reliance and their love of material wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the beginning, He says, uh, صفحاً إن كنتم قوماً مسرفين. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, should we leave you, should we leave you and not send you this uh, message, this Qur'an, إن كنتم قوماً مسرفين. If you are indeed a nation who are مسرفين. Now مسرفين, you know, it's translated here as transgressing, but it comes from Israf, and Israf is to be excessive. And Israf is, is typically mentioned when we talk about people who are excessive in relation to the dunya, excessive in relation to materialism. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's saying that, are we going to not send this message because of the evil that these people have done, i.e. Quraysh has done, and specifically the evil that Allah Azzawajal is kind of indicating here is their over-reliance upon the dunya. So from the beginning of the surah, we see the discussion is about da'wah and about how people are being misled in this dunya and misled away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And we said all of the hawameem are about da'wah, and all of the hawameem deal with Quraysh's rejection of the da'wah. And but here in Zukhruf, it's specifically narrowing in on their materialism and their love of the dunya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also is talking about the greatness of the Qur'an. Are we not going to reveal the Qur'an because of their evil? We're not going to re reveal this message because of the evil that they have done. And of course, we see that... Uh, the greatness of the Qur'an is something that's constantly mentioned in each of the suwar that we're talking about. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَمْ أَرْسَلْنَا مِن نَبِيٍ فِي الْأَوَّلِينَ That how many prophets did we send previous to you? And this is a rhetorical question, i.e. we sent many, many prophets, right? وَمَا يَأْتِيهِم مِن نَبِيٍ إِلَّا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ Allah says there, there has not come a prophet except that he was ridiculed. This is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It goes to what Shaykh Haraj was talking about earlier, right? This is a theme throughout all of these surahs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding the prophet, reminding the believers, those who believe get mocked. Those who get the truth are upon the truth get ridiculed and mocked. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying no prophet has come. No prophet has come except that his people have ridiculed him. There has never been a prophet who came to his people and said, this is the message from Allah. And they said, great, Jazakallah khair, and they sh shook his hand and everything was over. That didn't happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying they always ridiculed them. I.e., even if they ridiculed him for a day or a week or a month before they accepted, it had to happen at some point. They had to be, there was resistance to some level when the prophets came to them. Or there could be situations where some of them believe and others of them don't. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they become two groups fighting against each other. Or they reject them in their totality. They reject the prophet to the man. Every single person in the nation rejects the prophet and Allah's punishment comes upon them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning this in this surah. Then Allah Azzawajal mentions one of the objections that Quraysh has to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَقَالُوا لَوْ لَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْقَرْيَتِينِ عَظِيمٍ That they said, why is it that this Qur'an has been revealed, or, or if only this Qur'an had been revealed upon a great man from the great cities? 
what are they referring to here? The two cities that is being referenced is Mecca and Al-Taif, which are the two cities that were like sister cities to each other. And it was said that this was a comment made by Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, that when he heard the Qur'an, he was actually moved by it, and he felt that it was great. And he said, if this is true, that this is the Qur'an, that this has come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why would God send it to Muhammad and not send it to me or to uh, Ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafir, to the leader of uh, of Al-Taif. He said, why is it not, not being sent to one of the two great men from the two cities? And he's referring to himself. He's saying, and, and this is coming out of his jealousy, why is the Qur'an being sent to Muhammad? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, by his conception, is a young kid, is an orphan, you know, relative to his age, relative to his prominence. He is Al-Walid al-Mughira, he is the prominent chief of Mecca, he is the one that people look up to, he is the senior leader. So from his perspective, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is of a lower dunya status. So he says Muhammad is young, he's an orphan, he's not as rich as me, he does not have the same level in this dunya in terms of status than I do. Because they value their existence in this world on materialism, on the dunya, and who has more money, and who has greater status in the eyes of people, they look at themselves, and Walid looks at himself, looks at Abu Jahl as being higher, as being greater. So he says, if this Qur'an is coming from Allah, why is it being sent to Muhammad? Why is it not being sent to me? I am greater than him. Why does he think he's greater? Because he's evaluating everything based on materialism and based on the dunya. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Are they the ones who distribute the mercy of Allah? Are they the ones who apportion and decide where the mercy of Allah goes to? No, rather the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is decided by Allah. And Allah says, We are the ones who also gave them their livelihood. Like if they feel great that they are rich and that they have status, who allowed them to have this? Who decided that Al-Walid al-Mughira would have this much status and would be the chief and would be from this lineage and would have all the things that they value? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this, I am the one who decided this. And this is why you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly mentioning his rububiyyah, his lordship throughout the surah. This is one of the themes that, you know, um, uh, that comes up over and over that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says twice. Uh, if you ask them, who created the heavens and the earth, they will say the most powerful, the most knowledgeable, meaning Allah did. And then later on in the same surah, Allah says, وَلَا إِنْسَلْتَهُ مَنْ خَلَقَهُمْ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ فَأَنَّا يُؤْفَكُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you ask them who created, who created them, they will say Allah. Allah says, then why are they deluded? I.e., if you know Allah is the creator, why are you questioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decision and where he placed his risala, where he placed his message? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also when he talks about the dunya, he mentions something very powerful here. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that were all the people to disbelieve, were all humanity to reject Allah, what would happen? Allah says, We would have made for them ceilings that are made of silver. And ma'arij, now this is interesting because the, the term ma'arij, ma'arij means the mechanism of being elevated, right? Like al-isra' al-ma'araj, right? It's the, ele the mechanism of being elevated. Allah says we will give them elevation that will allow them to be elevated, which will also be made of silver, meaning elevators or escalators that are made of silver that would be given to, you, to them. Allah says, and for their houses, they will have doors and couches of silver upon which they will recline. And Allah says, and they will have zukhruf, that's the name of the surah. But here zukhruf refers to gold. They will have gold as well. Allah says, but all of this is just the dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse is saying, if all of the people disbelieved, we would give them all of the dunya. We would give them ceilings of silver. We would give them houses of silver. We would give them escalators and elevators of silver. We would give them silver pillows that they could recline upon and couches that they could recline upon and silver doors that they could have in their houses. And we would give them gold. We would give them all of this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what he's saying really in this verse is, if it wasn't the fact that we hate for people to reject Allah If it wasn't for the fact that we are merciful and we don't want to make it easy for you to reject Allah we would have given the disbelievers everything. 
right? We would have given the disbelievers everything. Now imagine for a moment, if the person who disbelieved has a house of silver and gold and escalators and you know elevators in their houses and and all of this stuff, and those who dis and those who believe don't have it, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to disbelieve. Everybody's going to want these things. Allah subhanahu wa taala is saying, because I don't want you to disbelieve, I'm not doing this. Otherwise, if everyone disbelieved, I just give you all of the dunya. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa taala is saying this dunya is so insignificant. It means little to nothing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Were he to give the disbeliever everything in this world, it really doesn't matter. Why? All of this that has been mentioned is just the enjoyment of the dunya. But the end, the hereafter, is with your Lord for those who are righteous. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in this surah as well, the story of Fir'aun and the interaction between Fir'aun and Musa. That Fir'aun called out to his people, and he said, oh my people, am I not sovereign over Egypt? And all of these streams, all of these rivers flow beneath my feet. Can you not see? Am I not better than this person, than this nobody, who can hardly express himself? He can hardly even speak. He says, why does he not have golden bracelets? And why does he not have the angels coming with him as escorts and as protectors? And so he makes this argument, Fir'aun makes this argument. Look at the specific argument Allah, Allah mentions about Fir'aun in Surah Zukhruf. What is the specific you know, argument that is being made? That Fir'aun is saying to the people, are you not going to, are you going to believe this guy who has nothing and can't even speak, has a speech impediment? So, you know, in, in, in terms of the dunya, he has nothing. And not believe me, and I am the king, and I have kingship, and I have all these rivers flowing in Egypt underneath my control. His entire argument is dunya-based. Are you going to believe Musa who does not have the dunya, or are you going to believe me who has the dunya? And if he wanted us to believe him, if this Musa person wants us to believe him, then he should come with golden bracelets. Or he should bring the angels with him as an army with him, as protectors with him. Meaning he needs to show off materialism for us to believe him. Right? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He took his people lightly. He used illogical arguments with them. He used deceitful arguments with them. Right? And this is an indication that emphasis on the dunya is foolish. Because Allah says, He really took them as fools. But they obeyed him. They were indeed a corrupt people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, mentions, فَلَمَّا So when they angered us, we took punishment against them and we drowned all of them. The irony here is that Fir'aun is boasting and being arrogant on the basis of his wealth and his power, right? And he's saying, I deserve to be followed because I have wealth and power. And he specifically makes reference to what? All of these rivers and streams flow beneath my kingdom. I am in charge of all of these rivers and streams. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? فَأَغْرَقْنَاهُمْ We made that very water that he was boasting about, that was beneath him, we made that water above him. We drowned him into that water. The very thing that he boasts about becomes his own destruction. Another mention that comes constantly in this surah that really you know, allows us, and subhanAllah, look at that similarity by the way. What is Quraysh saying? Why is Muhammad receiving the, the message and not the people of greater status and wealth? Receiving the message, argument of the dunya. What is Fir'aun saying? Why are you going to listen to Musa and not listen to me who has kingdom and has gold and has rivers and has all of these things? Argument from the dunya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us that our over-reliance upon the dunya, our excessive reliance upon the dunya causes our own destruction as it did with um, you know, Al-Walid al-Mughira and Abu Jahl and as it does with Fir'aun as well. Another mention that comes often because why is it that people you know, fall into this mindset of being so over-reliant and so focused on the dunya. And one of the main reasons is the concepts of friendship, right? Societal pressure. And, and psychologically, this is the way that we work, right? If your friends all care about money and they only care about wealth and they only give attention to that and they belittle anyone who doesn't have that, then you are going to conform to the dominant social pressure. 
we're human beings, right? That's the way that we operate. We will we will always end up bending to some extent or another to the dominant social pressures that are around us. And therefore, the believer needs to surround themselves with those who create positive social pressure. Those who focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when you're around them, you're reminded to also and encouraged also to focus on Allah azza wa Those who pl- place greater value in the next life than they do in the dunya. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this concept multiple times, a couple of times. So one he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it will not benefit you on that day, meaning on the day of judgment, if you were unjust, that you will be together in the, in the punishment. Like subhanAllah, Allah is talking about a psychological process that happens in our minds. What is that psychological process? If you go through difficulty in this world, like for instance, COVID-19 is happening, we all have to be in quarantine, you know, everything has to shut down. That's a difficulty. Are you facing this difficulty by yourself? Or is your entire city, even your entire country going through the same problem that you're going through? They're going through the same problem. And when they all are going through the same problem, what happens? It feels easier. We feel more comfortable when we are in the presence of other people, even if you're going through something difficult, you feel more comfortable in the presence of others who are going through that difficulty with you. And part of the reason people rejected the Prophet ﷺ is that they felt more comfortable, more protected, being around Quraysh. Quraysh is stronger, more people are, are you know, the, the big group is opposing the Prophet. Why will I be with a small group when I can be with a big group? Right, that concept of social, you know, pressure and wanting to be protected by the, you know, the social in-group. Right, this is a, a concept that Allah references to. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, yes, in this dunya, you feel comfortable with a bigger group. If you go through a difficulty, you feel better when other people are with you. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, on that day, on that day, it will not benefit you at all. That you will be in the hellfire together. On that day, it doesn't matter that Abu Jahl is with, with you or this person's with you or that person's with you in the hellfire. It will not relieve the punishment of the hellfire at all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in surah, sorry, in the same surah, in verse uh, 67, المتقين, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the best friends, the close friends on that day, meaning the day of judgment, they will be enemies to each other. Except those who have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah is reminding us, your close friends are going to lead you somewhere, right? The, the concepts of the dunya and being, you know, so engrossed in the dunya, usually it's your friends who are pushing this on you or your social situation that are, you know, increasing these feelings of, oh, I need to have the dunya in order to be valuable, right? I need to forget about the akhirah, really focus on this dunya in order for me to have value. And that concept, your, your friends are going to be your enemies on the day of judgment. That's what Allah tells you. They are going to be your enemies. Except those who have taqwa of Allah. Except those who have reminded each other about Allah. Let's pray. Let's do this. Let's do that. Who encourage each other to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a few verses later, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Enter into Jannah, you and your spouses, in all delight and find the delight in Jannah. Enter into paradise, you and others who are with you. Right? You and your spouse and others and your family who are with you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions people entering Jannah together because they helped each other, they supported each other. And this is something that's really important when we talk about the dunya and, and the social pressures that make us buy into materialism and to think about them as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes reference to it in this surah. And of course, you know, as, um, you know, Sheikh Araj mentioned uh, the concept of, in, of giving da'wah and realizing that people are going to be mocking you and people are going to be attacking you and turning away from the ignorant things that people do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it here as well is, uh, at the very end of the surah. Uh, that Allah mentions our Prophet وسلم, who made dua to Allah and said, Oh my Lord, indeed these people are a nation who do not believe. Are a people who do not believe. So what does Allah say to the Prophet? Turn away from them and say salam. Say peace. And they will truly know in the future. And uh, finally, you know, as, as this whole surah is talking about the dunya and being distracted by the dunya and how people become distracted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of their over-reliance of the dunya, what is what are the strongest solutions to it? You know, we mentioned the solution of having strong friends, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the solution of holding on to the Qur'an. And the Qur'an is something that is venerated throughout, you know, obviously throughout the Qur'an itself, but throughout the Hawameen especially. فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ إِنَّكَ عَلَى صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Allah says, so adhere 
hold on to that which has been revealed to you. Indeed, you are upon a straight path. And then Allah says, وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكْرٌ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ وَسَوْفَ تُسْأَلُونَ And indeed, this, i.e. this Qur'an, it is ذِكْرٌ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ It is a glory for you and for your people. وَسَوْفَ تُسْأَلُونَ And you will surely be asked about this. SubhanAllah, this is what is so powerful and so interesting. The people are running after the dunya. Allah is saying, by the way, the real pleasure, the real zukhruf is in the akhirah. It's not in this dunya. The real adornment is in the akhirah, not in this dunya. And Quraysh is fighting against the Prophet. And one of the main reasons they're fighting against the Prophet is because their social status, they, their, their honor as a tribe, in, in pre-Islamic Arabia. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them, If you care about your glory, if you care about your status, this Qur'an is your glory. This Qur'an is your status. It is a glory for you, O Muhammad, and for your people. Subhanallah, would anyone know anything about the Arabs were it not for the Qur'an? You know, a thousand years later, 1500 years later, would any of us opening a history book, reading the history of the world, the history of nations, would any of us care at all about who the Arabs were if the Qur'an had not been revealed to them? They would have been just a footnote in the books of history. People would not have even cared about them at all. How many tribes and nations have come and nobody even remembers them at all. Allah says, this Qur'an is the glory for you and your people. If you people actually care about glory, actually care about these concepts, it's not even found in chasing the dunya. It's found in turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to his books. And this is something that our community needs to understand, particularly, particularly from the surah. Sometimes we give over prominence to the dunya, even in our communities, even in our masajid. You know, the doctor says something, we pay attention. The average person says something we don't want to listen. You know, the, the person who gives a lot of money or has a lot of money, we look up to them. And the person who doesn't, we don't. And this shows us that our priorities are not correct. No offense to the doctors and the lawyers. We love them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we're saying that it shows our priorities and what we value sometimes is not properly aligned with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants our priorities uh, to be aligned with. And so, uh, you know, these these are some of the, the themes that run through Surah Al-Zukhruf and how it connects to the Hawameem in general. I hope inshallah that has been beneficial for all of you. So I think uh, inshallah we, we will conclude here and uh, inshallah next week on Thursday we're going to continue and we're going to cover the remaining three surahs of uh, Al-Hawameen. And so that's uh, Al-Ahqaf and Al-Jathiyya and Al-Dukhan, inshallah. So all those three surahs we will be covering uh, next week, bi-idhnillah. Jazakumullah khair for joining us. And uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to join us in Jannah as he has joined us here over this uh, class. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode on Quranic Healing and subscribe to this series. If you liked this episode, you'll love our other content. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org or download our app from the App Store. Until next time, this has been Keeping Connected.